Folks, well, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it means it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter, where I like to hang out with all my poker and football friends. Um, if you're new to Rec Poker, thanks for tuning in. We're a group of uh, amateur recreational poker players. We like having fun with this game that we've enjoyed. We we play poker. We play poker. It's fun, but it's more fun when you win. So we try and learn together. We study together. We learn from the pros. We watch training videos. We post in the forums. We play in the home games. There's just a million ways to enjoy the process of learning poker together in a community here at Rec Poker. So um, I encourage everyone to go get a free Rec Poker account. Uh, just go to rec.poker and sign up. All it takes is an email address and a smile. Um, but because so much of what we do is free and we're a largely volunteer organization, I have to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino and Mark Prashan over at Website Amp. And I also have to thank our Wrecking Crew members. The Wrecking Crew is kind of the core team of members here who put a lot of work into uh, our hand analysis, creating our training videos, the discussions we have on the podcast, a lot of our study groups are led by Wrecking Crew members, and it's just a place to come and share your love of poker with other serious recreational players around the world. Um, so if you want to learn more about the Wrecking Crew or me, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, uh, but you don't have to go right now because you're going to meet one member of the Wrecking Crew right now, the one and only Taylor Moss. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Taylor Moss here at Taylor underscore Moss on Twitter and Gopher Boy TJM in the Rec Poker home game. Uh, Taylor is often cast as a villain on these podcast episodes because he can't always make the show. And so Chris and John and Rob and I like to give him the gears, but he's here tonight along with uh, our premium member, Eric Anderson, who you might remember from last week's episode. Uh, Eric's a prolific poster in the forums and very active on Discord in our home games. And we're going to talk about the WSOP tonight. We wanted to invite our man, Eric, to the show. So, Eric, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Good to see you guys again. And you're E. Anderson 85 everywhere, right? You've got that down. Well, not everywhere, but at Rec Poker World, I'm E. Anderson 85. <laughs> right, there you go. So if you see if you see someone in the home game stealing your chips called E. Anderson 85, now you've got a voice to go with the name. Uh, thanks, Eric. This is going to be a fun conversation, I think. So we are here in the forums edition of the podcast, which means that we're going to be talking a little strategy. Uh, Monday night, we're playing in the Rec Poker home game. It's free to join, uh, competing for each other's chips. And every Monday night, we take a forum post and we talk about it here on the air. Tonight, we're actually, we're not going to take a forum post, but we're going to take a hand example from this year's World Series of Poker um, and talk about that instead. So I, I I don't know if I've already mentioned tonight, have the best freaking job in the world. I get to hang out with cool poker people and talk about poker all the time. I don't know if you can tell, but I really like poker. And um Playing in the World Series of Main Event is something that's been on my list for not even that long. Because if you told me a few years ago, I would have told you it's just not even possible. Um, but I was able to win a satellite league this year. I won a ticket to the main event. I 
probably didn't study as much as I should have going down to it, but I made it all the way to the end of day two and had a phenomenal time. Um, the results were average, but the experience was above average. I got to just soak it all in. I got to meet all sorts of great people. I got to cross this off my bucket list to play in the world series of poker main event. And, um, I'm still tingling to be honest with you. It was a month ago, but it was a pretty special experience. And I encourage uh, everyone that has an extra $10,000 kicking around the couch cushions to go and give it a try. Yeah. I, I got to ask Jim, I, whenever I play a tournament, especially if I haven't played for a while, I sit down and I, I have the jitters, you know, yeah. the, sure. the feeling in the stomach, the nervousness. Yep. I have to imagine in the main event, that feeling lasts for a really long time. <laughs> did you have the jitters and how long did it last? <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. And that's, that's, I think I'm sure it's true for everybody. I definitely, I, I mentioned this on a chats edition of the podcast recently. My well, first I wasn't goal... there for that. And everyone makes fun of me at those versions. <laughs> so like fill me in. Okay. The other guys. All right, I'll do it just for you, Taylor. That's right. Thank no, you. so I, I was, I mean, when you sit down, I had a couple goals. My first goal was just not to be the first person to bust. And so up until you hear, you hear those magical words, seat open, uh, there is some tension and you just, you know, I did not want to be the first person to bust. And then my second goal was just, I didn't want to bust in the first level. Uh, so the first two hours of the main event. And then once I got past that, I didn't want to bust on day one, but if the right spot came up, I was totally comfortable busting on day one. You know, you get aces in versus fives. I don't need to tell you how often some stinky five comes up on the turn and all of a sudden you're out of the tournament, even though it's a garbage hand and you've done everything you can to get it in good. Uh, but that did, yeah, it's <laughs> just garbage. <laughs> but, um, but that, that didn't happen. Um, so I found a bag at the end of day one. I woke up on day two totally comfortable with busting on the first hand on day two. And I, and I honestly felt really loose um, and very comfortable. It is just a poker tournament after all. And even though it's got a ton of sharks in it, it's just, it's a function of the main event that there's a lot of recreational players like me in there as well. And I honestly felt like in that field, I was holding my own, you know, maybe even more than I was expecting. So uh, I really didn't feel that tight. I'll be honest with you, Taylor. I don't get to play live that often. And so if it's been like a month or two months before I, between sessions, I get a little jittery that first orbit, even just in my local card room and my, my, you know, I, if I get a, a, a big pocket pair in the first couple orbits, I can tell my heart's racing a little bit and um, getting a little flushed. Uh, and so I think probably the first, the first few orbits, I definitely was like a little starry eyed and, and, and not really comfortable necessarily, but, um, but truly, I, I don't know if it's because I've played in a few bracelet events now. And so I just feel a little more comfortable in the dynamic. And there were people there that were less experienced than me. And that did just kind of help me feel a little more comfortable and feel like I was in my element. You know, I didn't feel like I was out of my element and that, that really did help a lot. That really did help a lot, but um, it does make for a very interesting dynamic. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Uh, people feeling uncomfortable, people not wanting to bust and how we can use that to apply some pressure and maybe to pick up some chips that we wouldn't otherwise. Um, but when we were talking with Eric uh, before we went live here on the show, he was saying that, you know, for, for people that don't have a chance to get down there, 
like what's the what's the experience like and like what are some of the off the felt factors that that you should be considering when you're setting up for it and eric you're in a perfect position here because uh taylor and i were roommates staying at the uh wonderful flamingo hotel right across the street from uh paris valleys and we had to figure out all sorts of logistics from check-ins and extra uh, access cards to changing okay. reservations to weird noises coming from the fan in the middle of the night. There was a lot uh, of logistics to get getting to locked out of the room. Oh yeah. Oh, I, forgot. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was of course you'd forget about that. I did. I wasn't, I was already gone by then. Yeah. You were, like, you were like, no, Jim really told me that he booked the room for an extra day. Please. My stuff's in there. Uh. <laughs> So you never know what's going to come and make you feel a little uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And Eric, so, so sorry, you mentioned off the top sort of uh, like knowing where the washrooms are and like having a game plan. What, what do you kind of envision? Like uh, Eric, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you do much traveling uh, to play poker live, but like, what are the kind of things that you'd want to be thinking about or the kind of things that you'd be worried about before you took a trip like that? To, to be honest, I've never traveled to play poker, so it's all all new to me. Mm, and uh, mm. like and, a lot of our just, listeners, I think, yeah. There's, and there's a lot of questions that I really don't know. Like you get a, how long are your breaks? You get right five thousand guys trying to pee in fifteen minutes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, do you get up early? Do you just skip a blind if if you have to go to the restroom? Or I mean, I, I don't know how any of that works. I mean that that's a real that's a real strategy decision. Um definitely some people will get up a little early and go do it. and even just like knowing where the washrooms are is is pretty key. That was one thing that they did right this year. Um they had their washrooms were right outside the convention center and so it was easy to go. But there's a line 70 or 90 people long for sure and some uh most of the tournament breaks were 20 minutes. I won't swear that that's the time across all of them. Maybe some are 15 or something like that, but they they are aware that that is going to be an issue. So they do build in enough, enough time for that. But mm-hmm. I, I've said this before, I'd say go early, wherever you're traveling to play, get there early, scout out the scene, walk through the, the rooms, find out where the washrooms are um, and ask questions, ask questions of the, um, the floor staff, the security staff, the hotel staff, you know, um, because you, you do want to be comfortable and you don't want to be kind of figuring that stuff out as you go, but the washrooms are a great example. Yeah. I mean, for that one, it's like, it, at least for my mind, it's like, how bad do you have to go? Uh, if, <laughs> yeah. if, if you, if you do like leave early, like missing a hand is not gonna be the worst thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but if not, I, I wait till the end of the break, right? It's got like 20 minute breaks or whatever it is. I'll just walk around for 10 minutes. Uh, and then when I go to the washroom, uh, guess what? No lines. I get yep. in out, don't have to sit there and feel like I'm being impatient and all that other jazz. Um, just time things out better. It just makes sense. Or know where the second closest washroom yeah. is because that won't be nearly as busy as the closest one. Uh Literally, people won't walk to the next one, uh, even if it's only, you know, an extra 50 yards away. So, yeah. And I thought, that might, be early. A, I thought that might be a strategy, too, is try to get a room on the second floor. Yes. We could just run upstairs to your room. That's day. what I did. 
I, I, my wife convinced me to stay on campus for the main event. Um, earlier in the series, Taylor and I were uh, sharing a room at the Flamingo, which was right across the street. Super convenient, mm-hmm. but just too far away to make it there and back in 20 minutes if you had to go to the bathroom or whatever like that. Just, you know, it was just too far away. But um, I stayed at Bally's in Paris for the main event uh, run. And I could get to my room comfortably and back in 20 minutes, use the washroom, swap out my warm water bottle for a cold water bottle, um, all that kind of stuff. I think it was uh, it was either Jonathan Little or Daniel Negreanu on the show a little while ago who said their strategy was to find the washroom that you had to walk five minutes to get to because it was going to be far away from the other tournament players. And you still got the experience of stretching and taking that walk as opposed to standing in line for 10 minutes. Um, and then going to the bathroom and then just having a short walk back to your table. So you're bang on the money there. That's that's a really good one to think about. It's giving yourself that bathroom B option. Mm-hmm. Another question I had was about meals. Um, mm. What do you do? Uh, how, how long were the days to start with? Do they go to a certain number of players or a certain level usually, right? Yeah, they always say, and it's a really like good thing to consider because uh, it's the thing that I like deprive the most. I, I turn into like a one meal a day type of person and just try and consume <laughs> as much calories as I can, which isn't the right way of doing it. Uh, what I tried to do this year when I was out there with Jim, we tried to get all the essential requirements to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But the entire city of Las Vegas must have been on a peanut butter shortage and we just could not find peanut butter. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe you should, it. You should see the text that we had going back to each other too. I was like, I'm at CVS, nothing here. Yeah, well, I'm at okay. Walgreens. Yeah, they Walgreens, got jelly no. here. Do you have any bread? Uh, but I found another CVS, still no peanut butter. Uh, so like... That's what we tried to do. Uh, but like I, if I was going for it, I'd understand like when dinner breaks are, and then also just have stuff with you um, to like help hold you over. And I mean, everyone could say like much better things, but like get like trail mix type of stuff, granola bars, things that like somewhat good for you and uh, easy to carry around. and don't need to be refrigerated just as backup option. Otherwise, you try and go to restaurants and they have out there everything close by, just like the bathrooms. Everyone goes to the close by ones to get stuff and all the close by ones. Um, also, um, they jack up the prices, especially when oh, yeah. they're at Bally's in Paris this year. I was like, Hey, you can't get a meal for anything less than whatever. So it kind of, oh, I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was $16 for everything and all the places like it's Las Vegas. And I, I don't want to get us canceled or executed, but it's owned by the same four organized crime families. So like <laughs> they, they, they have all this stuff figured out. It's definitely an oligarchy. They've got a monopoly on everything. So guess what? The Sbarro pizza is 16 bucks. The pasta next door is 16 bucks. You can get two hot dogs from the vendor for 16 bucks or a burger for 16 bucks. And so the, they've got, they've kind of got that figured out. Um, the, the, and, and, you know, all the places close by, like Taylor is saying, they're going to be busy and it takes longer to order food and eat food than it does to pee. So if you're doing that on your same 20 minute break, you're really going to be in trouble. Um, a lot of the tournaments will have a long, the, the, the multi-day tournaments will have a longer dinner break, 75 minutes typically. And that, and they tell you when that will be after so many levels. 
So you have a sense of, okay, at this point, I'll be able to go and get a bite to eat somewhere. But you do have to have a plan. And you never know, like, I'm a little thrifty. So I was a subway guy. But I got down to subway on my uh, on my break from one of these. And it was like, that was the half hour that they'd chosen to close to clean the counters and floors or something like that. And so I was just SOL. There was nothing I could do about it. So I ended up getting a stromboli, a $16 stromboli over at the Sparrow instead, which was delicious. But um, definitely knowing knowing in advance, bringing, like, like Taylor said, trail mix or granola bars, uh, a bag of peanuts or cashews, I like bananas. I like having bananas because they they're easy to eat. You don't have to. There's not a lot of waste. Um, you don't have to refrigerate them. And when you can find peanut butter and jam um, and bread, I, I honestly I encourage people go make make two sandwiches, put them in a Ziploc bag, and throw them in your in your briefcase or your knapsack, whatever you're carrying around. And then you can eat them whenever you like, and uh, just just kind of put put that put that hunger off because you really don't want to be thinking about hunger and you don't want to be thinking thinking about about, what where am i going to go let me get out my phone and google what places are around here like you're there to play and it's you gotta pay attention to what's going on not start googling uh is the subway open or are they on their floor cleaning break (laughs) yeah that's right will will doordash or somebody deliver to your table or is that won't sound on they won't deliver into the casino. I think there was a lot of people that got in trouble trying to like do that at the very start of the the tournaments and stuff. But like, you maybe could get them to deliver outside the casino and meet them. Uh, you can order curbside from different places. Uh, one person that I was at a table with right before the break, I saw him go on at his phone. And he went to PF Chang's, ordered a to go order a carry out, and then saw him walk to the PF Chang's walk in and grab it and then walk right back out. So there's those types of options too. Um, and, yeah, and if just you have, have a plan and if you're down there with other people and you're not all playing in the same tournament or someone busts early, or if you're down there with a friend who's not playing, but they're there to support you. I mean, having a runner is great. If there's someone that can go get you a cold bottle of water, or go get a, a sandwich or a pizza or something and just bring it to you so that you don't have to spend that time walking and ordering. Uh, that's key. They're not going to be able to help you go to the bathroom unless they're like a really good friend, but they can probably help you uh, put some food in your stomach, which is uh, very, very helpful indeed. Yeah. Another question I had was uh, there was conversations earlier about signing up for the tournaments online. Yeah. Um, did any of you guys sign up at the cage or was everything pre-ordered kind of personally? I'm so tech phobic. I, I just didn't. And I'm international. So coming down from Canada, loading money onto the kiosk account, I just anticipated there being some problems with that. So I just personally, I actually got a safety deposit box right there at the cage and I just put my cash in there. And as the tournaments came up that I wanted to play, um, I just went right to the, one of the things that's nice about getting a safety deposit box of the WSOP is that it, it brings you right to the front of the line. So you can actually, you don't, you can skip the registration line for the entire time that you're down there and just go to the, uh, safety deposit box line and you can register in tournaments there. So for me, that was the choice that I made. Um, people that live in the States might find it easier to load up your kiosk account or your my WSOP account or whatever that was. Um, Taylor, what was your uh, choice for that? 
Uh, I tried to find off times uh, to go and like register for things. So I think we played in a couple of events together that had like an 11 a.m. start. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to go down there at nine. I'm going to register and then I'm going to go eat uh, before it and then like show up at 11. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the plan I took. And then if there was like dailies and stuff that uh, were going on that I wanted to play in, I try and just find off uh, times to like go through and register because like trying to go through when there's a lot of people it like it fluctuated a lot in terms of wait times uh i bet you could have sat there and waited for an hour and a half two hours uh mm-hmm. and then the same day uh just had a different time gone in and registered within a few minutes so yep. like very very much fluctuating and the and the registration desk is open 24 hours so there's there's very little there's very few people there quite late at night if you want to, if you're having a good time in Las Vegas and you're having a late dinner or some drinks or something like that, even though you're not in poker mode, um, I found the first time I went down, that was a great time for me to just show up and register for the next day's tournaments or if I was going to play a few tournaments that week and I knew I was going to, uh, just kind of pre-registering for a few of them advance. Uh, the other note on that is that sometimes when you register, they're going to give you three receipts uh, your own copy, the dealer copy, and then an actual receipt, a transactional receipt. And it's got your room table and seat number on it. But if you register a few days in advance, it's possible that they'll end up changing that room or seat number or that table or seat number because they need that room for something else. So that would be, I would just always confirm, go again, go early. Just show up a little early, make sure that it's still happening in that room, go talk to someone on the floor and see, uh, because you never know, you might be showing up in Paris black, but actually you're playing in uh, Bally's blue, and now you got three minutes to make it all the way across the casino, and you show up at your table, and you're all huffing and puffing and sweaty and uncomfortable, and that's not how you want to start your World Series of Poker experience. What about the uh, Diamond Club cards? Is that worth getting, or... God. So, oh, I'm so, I'm so, you struck a, you struck a tell, nerve there. Tell the story, Jim. Let's <laughs> you, go with you, this one. You struck a nerve. We opened this. We were going to talk some strategy. We're definitely going to talk about a King 10 hand here later, uh, folks. So, so stick around. I will tell a little short story. So one of the perks of the diamond card is that if you're a cash game player, it puts you to the top of the cash game list. So for all the Caesars resorts, um, I've got a gold card uh, and it, you know, you have to show your, your player's card to get on the cash game list. And I love playing cash. So I'm always trying to fill the hours in between busting tournaments um, by playing cash. I just got to build up a bankroll playing cash so I can punt it off in playing tournaments. Um, and so I'd go get on the, get on the list, but of course, cash games aren't a priority during the WSOP. They've got all their dealers, all their uh, tables all set up for all these tournaments and so there's not that many games going, but there's a long list. And if you have a diamond card or a platinum card, it, when you walk up, you just go right to the top of the list. So honestly, I, I, it, 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 it's expensive to get that card. I don't know what you'd have to do to, to how, how many hours you'd have to put in or how many hotel stays you'd have to get or what. But I can see it being really valuable because there were times when I would show up to play, I'd get there at noon. And put myself on the list and I'd be sixth on the list. And then I'd go and like scroll through Twitter for two hours waiting to get bumped up the list. And I'd go up and check. And at noon, I was sixth. 
And at four, I was 12th because there's just more diamond, diamond card people coming in. I'm, I'm moving further down the list. It was, um, so yes, if you have a diamond card or a platinum card, that, that has some value. I'm not sure it's actually worth getting it, but um, yeah. That That's what I was wondering if it was worth it. And I, I heard Carlos Welch talking about he had a system for the easy yes. way to get it. Uh, but I don't remember what it was, but yeah, no, satellites or something. That's it. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. Cause he plays a lot. He also stays on, um, stays at Caesar's properties a lot. He was staying at the Rio basically half the week and then somewhere else, the other half of the week. So I think you, you, you put enough dollars in their pockets and they're very happy to, uh, to comp you that, that diamond card. I mean, we, we could, maybe we should split this up into a couple episodes and just sort of talk a little more about the logistics of the WSOP and then get into that King 10 hand afterwards. I know we like to keep these forums editions pretty, pretty quick. Um, let's do that. In fact. So, so what are some other things, logistics about um, your first big tournament or traveling to a tournament? Oh, I've got one. <laughs> so I, it's going to be tempting to fly in the night before your big tournament. Because a lot of us have day jobs and we can't take a lot of days off. And so if there's a, you know, we're trying to tighten up our travel dates to be as, as efficient as possible. But in today's world, flights are getting delayed. Flights are getting canceled. You just don't have the same kind of control over when you're actually going to land. And I was, I was in that spot on this trip where one flight got delayed, another flight got canceled. And it really affected my ability to kind of come in rested, prepared, familiar with my, like, you know, I had to check into my room the, the morning I was supposed to be registering and I'm supposed to be meeting George, Uncle George Sanford at the registration desk for the tag team event. And I'm carrying all this stuff. And it was, it was, I was, it was a really frustrating experience, honestly. I don't get tilted very often, but it was not how I wanted to start my WSOP experience this year. So you know, we've said show up early, maybe even show up a day early because worst case scenario, you get a day to familiarize yourself with the town, the casino, the room you're going to be playing in. I mean, wouldn't it be nice? Maybe you get to play a daily and just knock some rust off and get real comfortable with the chips. You know, the chips are going to be different colors and weight and stuff like that. Uh, maybe there's different house rules in this casino that you're not used to in your local casino. Um and if your flight does get canceled or or delayed or whatever, at least you're not showing up, you know, a couple hours before you're supposed to play, because that can really, you know, that can really kind of put the boots to a well laid plan. So that that would be another one. Um, what else should we be thinking about here? Do you, you have any other a, specific ones? Yeah, take you it. mentioned a briefcase or backpack earlier. Yeah, I assume you have a sweatshirt and a water bottle, some snacks. Yep. yep. Uh, maybe a battery for your phone or something. You're you're hitting all the high notes. Yep. Yeah, what those else are all really good. Uh, I mean, just the backpack itself can be like so like useful. Uh, just because you're likely away from where you are, uh, and just like you know all those different things that you need. Like you're in Vegas heat outside, so if you ever want to go outside, like you have to be dressed for Vegas heat. But then you go inside, and it's usually cold in there. So you got to have something to like keep yourself from shivering all the time and being uncomfortable. Uh, so I always throw that in there. Um, 
headphones some people like uh i've had to use those uh in other events because of the people around me and their <laughs> chit chat and i just couldn't take it anymore and i was like i need something to like tone them out as much as i love like gathering information and hearing people talk about stuff some things i just am done listening to so i wanted to be done uh, listening to some things batteries are huge importance um along with um just like power cords too. Like if you want to charge up your phone during breaks and things like that, obviously snacks, just because you're hopefully planning on being out there for a while. So just throw those all in a backpack, keep them with you. Uh, it makes things a lot easier. Yeah. I also carry a, a power bank it's because <clears throat> when we're playing in these large field tournaments, often they're in convention centers, like smaller tournaments can be in the poker room of a casino or a hotel. When you do these like thousand, multiple thousand person entrance, they set them up in uh, pavilions and convention centers. And the tables that they have there aren't the new funky tables that are all plugged in and, and automated and powered. You know, if you go to the Venetian, you can just plug your phone right in at the table there and charge it. But if you're playing in the, in a, the main event, you're going to be on a, you know, a perfectly sound, but, you know, kind of rickety old school, um, folding table and table, yeah. yeah and so you're going to need to have a power bank especially you know you should really just be focusing on poker but i tweet a lot while i'm playing is kind of how i keep myself loose and so i'm using my phone quite a bit and if i didn't have a power bank i'd have to you know have a friend go charge it or something because you're not going to be able to do it there at the spot um and then yeah uh, a, a warmer layer for for top I'm all about pockets. So I want to have pockets for everything I'm wearing so I can put my phone or, you know, what I just find it really helpful. I don't wear a lot of shirts that don't have pockets because <laughs> that's just the kind of guy that I have. Um, and yeah, uh, I, basically what, what Taylor said, food, drink, um, a way to record notes, whether that's going to be on your phone or a notepad or something like that. You're going to have all these thoughts while you're playing. You're going to want to memorialize the hand so that you can talk about it with your friends later. Um, stuff like that, being able to record that stuff accurately. And can, um, can you take yeah. pictures of the hands? Like when room to room depends a lot from room to room. Some places have no problem with it. Some places will give you a penalty or disqualify you. I, hardly anyone's going to just boot you out the first time you pull your phone out. Like, I, I don't think that's, ever, that's not going to happen, but um, not every casino wants people recording what goes on in their secure locations. And so um, you should really just ask, ask a floor person and, and see, cause it is fun. And I, and I think, you know, the, the, the card rooms that want to be viewed as a fun place and get their information shared on social media and stuff, you know, they should be allowing us to take innocent photos of our hand and, you know, the board and stuff like that. And giving away trade secrets by showing what was on the table at the time. Uh, but you should ask and just protect yourself because you'd hate to get disqualified or something for something stupid like that. Oh, yeah. and if you're, and if you're Less. wearing, and if you have pockets for God's sake, don't put your chips in your pocket. If you're walking from one table to another, just you just you can have them in a rack, but do not. And it's different for cash games, of course. But in a tournament, people will you will be disqualified if you put your chips in your pocket, or if you ever take chips out of your pocket. It's a security measure, just so that they know that people aren't bringing slipping chips onto the table. Mm -hmm. um, so that is one thing. Just make sure that your chips are visible at all time and on the table at all time. Yeah. The other piece of advice that I'd say on this line is 
take pictures of your stack and mm. your table when you go on break. Uh, a lot of people I've seen wandering around after break because they forgot where they were sitting <laughs> yep. uh, and people doing the, I had more chips than this. Someone took chips from me. If you've got photo proof, boom, there, you can get it taken care of and handled on the spot. Um, yep. It's a small thing to do, but it it can help a ton. So uh, do those two things uh, to help yourself out. I even do that when I park my car. You know, because the photos are free now. So I just, every time I park my car, I just take a photo and I know, oh, A4. Okay. Even I can't forget that now. Um, And even if you're not worried about your own chips, which, you know, there's usually going to be a dealer there watching the whole time. But just like any other game or industry, there are some bad actors out there. And if someone does come with bad intentions, having a photo of your chips is really going to be helpful but it's also going to be helpful if someone accuses you of taking their chips, because then you can say, well, here's how many chips I had when I left. And it's the same number I have now. And you can check my pockets. So um, it's just, again, it costs you nothing. It's easy to do. Uh, that, that is good, good advice. Especially if, if you've been in a table change, um, it might your ticket might not tell you what table to go back to after break. <laughs> So you're like, oh, yeah. And then I got put over in this part of the room and there's like 600 tables over there. <laughs> they all have a they all have a blue sign over top of them. Which freaking one am I supposed to be going to? Um, so, yeah, that's that's great advice, too. What else, Taylor? What what do you wish you'd, you'd known when you went when you went down to yours or uh, uh, other stuff? I like mean, that? the only thing that. Uh, I guess still confuses me uh, at different points is like which casinos take which cards and like, you got to have a yeah. player's card to play. Uh, there's the Caesars properties. There's the MGM M grand properties, whatever they are. Like I still get them all confused. Um, but that's like something to know, especially like for Vegas is like what casinos do you need to get a player's card for versus which ones you already maybe have one for. Yep. And I, I've, I went I've, with Somsky the first time and he was able to be like, oh yeah, that one's good here, here, and here. And then this one's good here, <laughs> here, and here. And I was like, thank you. You're not just good at all this uh, home game setup. You're also able to direct me and tell me what to do. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like an encyclopedia, man. That guy's not human. Mm-hmm. Um, I've traveled, I'm not an extensive poker traveler, but I've traveled around the world. I've played in casinos all over. And I keep all my players' cards in the same little pocket of my briefcase so no matter where i've got a briefcase i take with me wherever i'm playing poker and it's got some rec poker patches um it's got all my different playing cards it's got my little chippy my little card protector that i carry with me and you know it's i know where i'm gonna put my water bottle and my peanut butter and jam sandwich and that kind of stuff and uh, that's just because you know i like be i i take comfort from being prepared in those kind of situations. But yeah, players cards is a great example and give yourself time to do that before it's time to start the tournament. Cause otherwise there's going to be a lineup at the player's desk and you're going to, even though you, you might even be, well, no, they probably wouldn't let you register without it, but just go and go and take care of that in advance. That's, that's really good advice. All right. Uh, Eric, anything else? We're not in a rush. If you've got more, let's, let's get into it. Well, you've answered most of my questions. Um, I really, I don't know. I think you've helped a lot. Um, oh, good. Good. Uh, and there's a lot. And, yeah, there's a lot of things that you really don't know until you get there. You know, like do they take yeah. credit cards or 
right can you do it online or yeah all that stuff so and usually you can just tweet at kev math and he'll have the answers to kevin mathers who's a wrecking crew member here is the the poker twitter czar and he runs the world series of poker twitter account and he works with hendon mob and uh I mean, anyone, if anyone ever has any questions about poker tournaments or structures or how to register or that kind of stuff, um, K-E-V-M-A-T-H, uh, H, I guess is how you pronounce that in English. So yeah, give uh, give at KevMath a tweet and, and he'll help you out for sure. Or you can just email me, Jim at rec.poker, but mostly I'm going to say, sorry, I can't help you with that, but you should be tweeting at KevMath. Is he still at the Fun Country Games too? Uh, he's often in there and he's in our, he's, yeah, he's been in our OPA every Tuesday night for months. So um, a great resource to the poker world. Kevin's a fan. Yeah. He really helps uh, people a lot just in oh, that fun country game. Yeah. 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 He's, he's amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad he's part of our team here. Uh, we got, we got lucky to get him on board. Well, uh, so that's it folks. Um, try and get there early, get there early. Uh, whether that's a day early or an hour early, you decide. Um, Make the walk from the hotel, walk through the convention center, talk to people, get comfy, ask stupid questions. This is the time. Like, you don't want to not have asked a question because you're worried about being stupid. And now you have to feel stupid because you don't know something that you could have known if you just asked a stupid question. So um, don't be don't be afraid. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Then just go and kick some butt. Uh, like our man Eric here when he takes his next poker trip. I want a full report, Eric. I'm looking forward to getting all the details. Okay. <laughs> I'll go out with pocket eights, I'm sure. Yeah, there you go. It's a very popular choice around here. A very popular <laughs> choice. All right. Well, thanks, folks. Uh, let's wrap this one up. I want to thank our sponsors, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Mark Prashan at Website Amp. And thanks, Eric, for joining us. And Taylor, and you, the listeners. All right, everybody. We'll see you again soon. <laughs>